I feel like we might be cheating just a little bit on this episode of the OHL podcast because the season officially began last night. And here we are making our Western Conference predictions. Good thing it didn't involve a Western Conference team. Anyway, Dan Mahar over there. My name is Mike Farwell. Find Dan on Twitter at Dan Mahar, just like his name. And I am at Farwell underscore OHL. We took a look at our Eastern Conference predictions on Tuesday's episode. We both ended up with the Sudbury Wolves as the Eastern Conference champions this year. Dan also did a lot of extra work and ranked his teams one through 10. I have now done that for the Western Conference. So we're both putting our necks all the way out there, full extension for these predictions. And I'll remind you that we do think, no offense to the East, but the West has the strongest teams coming into this season. Before we get into our predictions, Dan, how much fun is it that the Ontario Hockey League, along with its weekly top 10 rankings, has now decided to put out a weekly power rankings? And even before the season began, why not? Here are the top 16 teams i'll say this from our predictions on tuesday it seems like the power rankings agree with us no peterborough no niagara in the postseason things look a little bit different in the west perhaps than we have but what do you make of the power rankings anyway and feel free to riff on me a little bit because i am a member of the media that gets a vote (laughs) in these weekly power rankings yeah, I mean, a lot of leagues are doing this across various sports now, and it's just a little PR thing, a little way to stir the pot. You know, you get some teams uh, front running, you, you give some bulletin board material to, to other teams. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a little interest generator, I suppose. But uh, hey, the more people out there making jackasses of themselves, the better. So. <laughs> you read my mind on bulletin board material because the initial power rankings have the London Knights number one and the Saginaw Spirit number two. Not to give away too much from my Western Conference predictions, but the Saginaw Spirit won 36 games last year before they were ready when they traded Pavel Minchikov and they took the Flint Firebirds to seven in round number one. I'm just, again, I'll use that 36 number of wins. How many more wins do you think the Saginaw Spirit get this year? The Memorial Cup, hosts the team with the exceptional Michael Misa I could go on and on but if being ranked in the preseason power rankings number two isn't enough motivation for Chris Lazary and company I don't know what is but I would be posting that everywhere around the Dow Event Center just to remind the players what the uh, media I'm pointing at myself thinks of them well Listen, Chris Lazary, if you're paying attention, I have your number one. So you so take that to the bank. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's it makes for good fodder all year because I think you and I both agreed there were probably three teams right at the top of the heap here in the West. And it should be a war. And as we get into these predictions, Mike, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that me having Saginaw number one is partly related to some trades I expect they might make through the year as well to bolster. Oh, and that's fair. If we're thinking this far ahead, if we're making predictions before game one of 68 is played, then obviously we're going to be putting a lot of factors into this. And I just want to remind, because I saw it, and you mentioned it earlier, this is a a great way to generate some interest, stir the pot a little bit. Fans are already, oh, there's the London bias again. And did anybody watch the preseason and this and that? First of all, these power rankings are going to change from one week to the next. So this is what they look like now. Secondly, so 
you know, the teams that are missing Peterborough, Niagara in the East, Kitchener, Sarnia in the West, according to these initial rankings, it might change after a week or two weeks or two months. So just remember that part of it. The other part of it, though, and we probably could have addressed this on Tuesday. How much stock do we really put in the preseason, Dan? Because I'll tell you what, I put precisely zero stock in it. And I'm sorry to the teams that did well, but I I don't think it matters one little bit. No, I'm with you. Certainly the results don't. Um, what, I, what I look for in the preseason is just progress in instilling sort of some sort of team systems, getting some some familiarity. So it's a great time period for the coaches to kind of establish what they want to do and get some chemistry out there. And the teams that don't do that fall behind. But yeah, in terms of specific results, this team won this many games, this player scored this many points. I don't put much stock in that. I feel like we almost should start this at the top because we've already indicated that we're both in the same place for our top pick in the West, but let's go to the other end. Anyway, the power rankings have uh, Sarnia and Kitchener missing. I have Sarnia and the Windsor Spitfires missing this year. And sorry, Spitz fans, if you thought the first round sweep of your talented team last year was the lowest, I think it might be a rough season in the border city. I don't think it goes without, I think it goes without saying that the Sarnia Sting will miss the playoffs this year because they just put everything into last season. Who else do you have on the outside looking in, in the West, Dan? Yeah, it was, I mean, once you get down there, it's a bit of a toss up few different factors can play in but I actually do have Kitchener and Sarnia missing and and really it came down to the fact that I just couldn't find a team unless I stretched and said Windsor I couldn't find a team that either of those two teams were going to supplant and I do believe actually despite that I do believe that Kitchener is going to be better than people think only because I think they're going to have more organization a little more up-tempo game they're going to have a little more puck support this year. I think they're going to do things from an organization standpoint that are going to surprise some teams. And they do have a fair bit of returning talent as well. So I don't think they're going to be a bad team per se. I just don't see a team above them that I was comfortable ranking ahead of them, given how young they are. I had a really difficult time, kind of similar to what we talked about on Tuesday with the Eastern Conference, having all these teams almost in a jumble, you could put them in a fishbowl and pluck out a number. And if, you know, it was Mississauga fourth and Kingston fifth and Brantford sixth, you wouldn't, you wouldn't argue with yourself. That's the way they came out of the fishbowl. I I can't be objective. I've said this before when it comes to the Kitchener Rangers. So that's why I found a team to put beneath them, but I'm, I'm with you in your assessment. I will add this to it though. And again, acknowledging I can't be objective when it comes to this team, but I think you see, or as I'm told lately, I'm going to confirm this, Yose Ahokas, the new head coach, is the wild card here for the Kitchener Rangers. I, I like what I have seen, remembering what I just said about the preseason, but I like what I have seen in the way of structure from his team. I like what I have seen from him, and this is the team I get to see, obviously, all the time. I like what I have seen from him in his style of coaching and dealing with the players. And listen, if there is any unknown commodity in this league right now, isn't it the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers? Tremendous track record, developing players, coaching players at this age level, but never here. What if? What if he's some kind of mad scientist? We don't know. And so that's why, again, my objectivity or lack thereof notwithstanding, I give the Kitchener Rangers the opportunity to make make the playoffs here as the eighth place team. But your point about their youth is so well taken. Look, they've obviously got some skill that's been on display. 
fans are going to see it. Other teams are going to see it this year. But as the season wears on and the games take on more meaning and the teams with the players that have been there before and are older and a couple years more developed and skilled than these young skilled kitchen arrangers begin to assert themselves. I think it could be a really tough second half for the kitchen arrangers, especially if they make some deals at the deadline to restock the cupboard. So I don't want to, you know, be too gloomy about the team. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with through the season, but the, the youth of the team is definitely going to make it tough to sustain whatever they might be able to start the season with. Yeah, well, I mean, look at look on paper, Mike, and when you look at uh, Hunter Brustevich, Hamara, Matt Andonovsky, and Simon Motu, plus a first-round pick like Cameron Reed, there are worse defense cores in the league than that. That's that's pretty potent, but I think part of my prediction, too, also revolves around the fact that it's fairly certain a couple of those pieces are going to move. Kitchener re- needs to restock the cupboard. So when you look down the, the line at the, the playoffs, I think by then you will likely see a couple of those Brustevich potentially Motu, a couple of these players will have moved by that point. So putting Kitchener in even rougher shape to try and try and make those playoffs. Okay. Since I did take the time before this episode to actually rank my teams one through 10. So we're a little bit different. You've got Windsor eight and yes. Kitchener nine. Yeah. Sarnia 10. So I've got Windsor nine, Kitchener eight, Sarnia 10. We agree on. Let's just look at before we get to what I guarantee you we're agreeing on for the big three, who do you have four through seven in the West? Four through seven. All right. So four, I have the Guelph Storm. I, I think there's an awful lot of talent there. I don't think they were hit very hard by losses in the offseason. Questioning, they went to the import draft to shore up the goaltending. We'll see how that pans out they may need to go out and get someone there depending on how things go but i think the top end of the guelph storm is electric when they get cam allen back in the new year on the back end to join bushinger i think that team is potent so i've got them for five is my dark horse a team i love that i think could surprise a lot of people and that's the erie otters just a wealth of talent there i think you're looking for an explosion this year from malcolm spence i think they've got uh you know how much we love tarantz yeah, they've got an awful lot of uh, talent to play with there. Matt Schaefer, the number one overall pick on the back end, is going to help them move the puck, even though he's only 16, of course. Uh, Molnar back up front. I just think there's a lot uh, in Erie to work with. So I've got them five. Dark horse in the conference could upset a lot of teams. And then uh, six, seven, I have Flint and Sue, Mike. Very interesting. So I initially had Guelph fourth. And then thought, I can't do this. I can't do this with, no offense, Royal City, but I can't do this with Cam Allen's injury. I, I can't do this with the goaltending in Guelph. Not trying to be disrespectful here, but in my mind, has Guelph been solid in goal since Nico Dawes? I think they've still been looking for that next guy. And so what's really the identity of that team? I, I think you make a great point. When Cam Allen's there and Bushinger on the back end, they've got some nice pieces. I just, I don't see necessarily the offense that's required to finish as high as fourth. I'm not sure on the goaltending. So I actually dropped Guelph to sixth and Erie. I, I like where you're at so much talent, but much like we just talked about new Rangers bench boss, you'll say a hocus Stan Butler's calling card in this league has always been defense first. So 
how much are the, the thoroughbreds going to be able to gallop? I guess we're going to see what kind of coach Stan Butler is now that he's back in the league, but I wasn't sure that the Erie Otters would be that team that's going to be out there, you know, running around, being dangerous on the power play. Love the pieces that they have that you've already outlined, but I actually have Guelph 6, Erie 7 before Kitchener 8. My more surprising team is the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. I've got them locked into fourth, and I'm I'm basing a fair bit of that on the fact that this was a team that was bidding for the Memorial Cup, and the fact that they didn't get it isn't going to stop them from showing that they deserved it. Bryce McConnell, Barker, and company, obviously, that's the identity of the team, but we already talked about Jack Beck being added up there, and then... I'm sorry, but Brady Martin, I'm being a bit of a homer here because he hails from Elmira, which is in my home community, but we saw what he did with the U16 Waterloo Wolves a season ago. This kid, the real deal, let's see what he does as a rookie in this league. And then I think you've got some stability and something I like in goal in Charlie Schenkel. So I'm, I'm putting the Sioux Greyhounds fourth, the Flint Firebirds fifth, then Guelph, then Erie. I, I was thinking of flipping around Flint and Guelph and giving Guelph five, but I'm just not yet buying fully what they're selling in the Royal City. And it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy on Flint. They they graduated some huge pieces of offensive talent, but Sue in fourth, Flint in fifth, Guelph in sixth, and Erie still in seventh. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we didn't fully align there, Mike. So give us something to watch during the season. I think with with Flint, yeah, my my call there was I had them, I had them firmly mid pack last year, and I felt like they kind of treaded water based on who they lost and, and who they brought in. I think they, I kind of see them floating around that mid pack again. Sue, I'm just not quite seeing it yet. I still think they're your I love Brady Martin. I think he's going to be a top two or three forward in this league in a couple years. Um, but I still think the offense lacks some potency. Love Gibson on the back end. Love Shankel. They've got some pieces. They're starting to get, they're starting to to ramp up. Obviously, I still think they're a year away, and I just couldn't, in good faith, put them ahead of Erie or Guelph based on talent. Because I would contend Guelph. I, all fair points you made, but I, I do see a fair bit of offense there with Braden Bowman returning as an overager, Matthew Potra. That of course, I think dynamic as dynamic a player uh, as is in this league right now a lot of pieces to work with up front so uh, i just see a little more potency there gibson a great point on the greyhounds uh back end add kadratsev to that plus uh r2 karki karkai pardon me i'll get used to it when we get in there but uh, a vegas knights prospect added in the import draft and with Schenkel proven now i think at least to a degree in goal in the ohl we'll see we'll see but i i found four through seven for sure, maybe even eight, kind of that, well, it is the mushy middle, but much like we were talking about with the East. So how do you have your one, two, three in the West? So one, as I already referenced, I have Saginaw. Two, I actually have the Owen Sound attack. Just nudging out the London Knights at number three. I think that's going to be a war all year, but I really love, love what their roster is shaping up to look like this year. And I think that London was hit a little harder by losses and London always makes up that ground through the season with strong development. And this could go either way. It was a bit of a coin toss, but especially if Owen Sound finds a way to, to shore up that, that D and goaltending a little bit, I love what they've got. 
what I like most for just fans of this game. And again, I know I'm playing the Western Conference card here, but we acknowledged it. I think anybody that, you know, we acknowledged it in our episode on Tuesday. I think anybody that follows this league can see the writing on the wall. And the London Knights are just good enough this year, in my opinion, to really push the Saginaw spirit. The team that I thought coming in as Memorial Cup hosts were going to be terrific anyway. Now you have a team that's just good enough to be nipping at the heels of your skates all season long. And I think that's just going to push the Saginaw spirit forward. They want to go, they probably want to go wire to wire. They definitely want to go in the front door. They want to win the West. They want to win the OHL championship. They want to earn that berth in the Memorial cup that they're hosting next spring. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch Saginaw and London go at it all year. They might, flip-flop in the standings, first and second place, whatever. But I really think the Knights are going to push Saginaw to be that much better. I don't know that 50 wins is out of the question for Saginaw this season. In fact, dare I say, not that they would say it out loud, I'll bet my bottom dollar that's what they've got as a target. Why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. 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 Like a bit of a holy trinity at the top of the Western Conference standings here. And I think these three definitely separate themselves from the pack. And and what's going to be interesting to watch is that arms race as we approach the deadline, because last year we saw what were there eight or nine buyers, probably more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And this year, you're probably not going to have more than four or five, I'm guessing. A lot of teams need to recoup this year, which is why you're going to see teams like Peterborough, who could be competitive, decide not to be competitive. So I think in the West, you're going to see an arms race there and a lot's going to come down to what moves are made and who makes the right ones. And we know London has a strong track record of making the right ones. Uh, just pretty much stole Juan Copeland from Niagara. <laughs> I think that's going to be a piece that helps them a lot um, in his development curve there. Uh, so London, you know, is going to do well and it, the pressure is on Saginaw and Owen Sound to kind of match them. Let's not forget that the London Knights were OHL finalists last season out of nowhere. I don't think anyway, anybody outside of London perhaps expected it to be London Peterborough at the end, especially the way Sarnia had loaded up, but the Knights are going to night and that's what they did last year. And this is a team that projects, I know we're just talking about the 23-24 season, but projects pretty damn okay for the 24-25 season as well. So don't overlook that. The back end has got to be among the best in the league. I think Sam Dickinson's going to be you know, a, a lights out player, probably among the top D, if not the top D in the league. You've got Bonk over there. Owen Wilmore looks absolutely ready in goal, especially with a blue line like that in front of him. The London Knights are going to be real tough to play against virtually every night of the week. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, when you do an assessment of where they're going to be, you sometimes with London Knights, you just throw a lot of these things out the window and you look at losing Sean McGurn and George Diaco up front, which was a lot of their veteran they didn't have a great veteran presence up front last year because they were a younger team. Lost those two pieces. You had a 27-28 minute uh, night defender in Logan May you move on. That would be crippling to a lot of teams. But you know with a lot of nights, someone's just going to step right in those roles and do the same thing this year. Um, and like you said, Dickinson, still very young defenseman, but on his way to be arguably the best defenseman, possibly I should say the best defenseman in this league before long. So like you said, yeah, London always finds a way. That's why I kind of almost dismiss the losses every year. They have losses and every year. And yeah, you look a year beyond this and it starts to look a little bit scary. 
So it's interesting. You still are giving the Owen Sound attack the slight edge over the London Knights. I felt as though I was breaking the mold back in the summer in one of our pop-up episodes where I started talking about the attack team, bit of a dark horse in the West because obviously it looked like Saginaw, London would be the juggernauts. But the more I thought about Owen Sound, the more I liked them. Carter George, obviously untested insofar as the sample size is small, right? Tested showed great last year, but the sample size was small. But I, I like obviously what that looked like. And what that means. And then this team, Dan, for me, is at the right age. All of the key parts, Barlow and company, right? Petrovsky, Gandon, uh, uh, which one am I missing? Which one am I? Denny Gore. Denny like they're, Gore yeah. yeah, they're all just, it's it's the perfect time for the Owen Sound attack. I, I just dropped them a notch below London because London is London. But what is it that makes, and by the way, the power rankings put Owen Sound fourth. So clearly... I'm not spilling secrets anywhere. I've liked the attack since the summer, but it seems like a lot of people like the attack as the season gets going. Yeah, and for me, it was a couple factors, Mike. Uh, like you said, the age thing is coming together nicely at the right time, kind of like it did for Sarnia last year. But aside from that, I really feel like this core has something to prove. I felt like last year they were thinking they had a shot at it. Things didn't quite go as well as they want, and I could tell there was an anger there when the team didn't buy at the deadline. They kind of passed on last year. I think there was a little chip on their shoulder. And now you've got these players coming back. And we talked about those duos, like I referenced in our last uh, Eastern Conference preview, the pair of Goyette and Musty. The one that catches my eye as, as just as deadly to, to face night after night would be Barlow Gindon this year, who are just going to, I think, light the league on fire and supported by strong overage cast with the, uh, Ethan Burroughs, Denny Gur. That's a really potent offense. They've got a... A player in Caleb Lawrence likely coming back who can be dealt for pieces because they have four solid overage possibilities. Sadly's going to log an awful lot of time on the back end, as was Steen. They'll give Carter George and Votary an opportunity to, to be the goalies. And we saw that from Carter George with Team Canada that quite likely could be it. But I expect that Owen Sound will not sit pat this year at the trade deadline or leading up to it. Very interesting. And for those watching on YouTube, I hope you've noticed that Dan is wearing his Winnipeg Jets shirt. That's got to be in honor of Colby Barlow signing his ELC with the Jets, the first rounder, of course. Oh, 100%. I think uh, if you're looking at those handful of electric players to watch this year, they're worth the price of admission. Well, Colby Barlow is a name you're going to hear a lot this year and then presumably a lot more in years going forward with Winnipeg. So you go Saginaw 1, Owen Sound 2, London three, I go Saginaw, London, Owen Sound. And then we get a whole big jumbled mess until 9-10, where you have the Kitchener Rangers missing and I have the Windsor Spitfires missing in the West. Whatever the case is in the Western Conference this year, I see, and, and no disrespect intended to some of those players on Sudbury that we talked about on Tuesday, but I think our front runners are going to come out of these powerhouse teams in the Western conference. And by front runners, I mean the guys that are in the top of the points race this season, because when you've got that much talent around you, you're just going to be like, there are going to be nights against the Sarnias, against the Kitcheners, against the Windsors, et cetera, that these teams are going to be putting up some pretty big numbers. I, I talked on Tuesday about the Wolves and how much I liked the fact they had five NHL-drafted players, and maybe that's why they turn out as the cream of the Eastern Conference crop. The London Knights have nine. 
nine, basically half the roster they can dress every night drafted to the NHL. That's bananas. Yeah, well, we talked about, right, it's a factory. And and when you get down to the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round in the NHL draft, and these NHL teams are saying, well, you know, there's not a lot to determine between these kids. We're going to go with the London Knight because we know those kids were well coached. They're going to develop. So if you're going to if you're going to flip a coin between two kids and one of them's wearing green, you're probably safer to take that kid. So when you're a development factory, these are the benefits. Big question for you, Dan, as we wrap up this Friday edition of the OHL podcast, are you ready for the regular season? It's finally I feel like I mean, we went all through the playoffs last year. Our last episode before summer break was following the draft. It was around Canada Day weekend. We had a couple of pop ups. It feels like we haven't even really stopped. But finally, meaningful games are back on the docket here. Oh, thank God. Thank God. It's I mean. (laughs) I love summer, but this is the time of year where you just get itching to see live meaningful hockey, not the preseason stuff. And, and yeah, it's the sooner uh, these predictions get proven ridiculous, Mike, the better might as well just get it over with. So I'm, I'm ready. Dave Branch's final year, his 45th as commissioner of the Ontario hockey league, his farewell tour, so to speak. And he will be awarding the OHL championship trophy to either the Saginaw spirit or the Sudbury Wolves. You heard the predictions here first. How comfortable? How how confident are you now? You're laughing already, Dan. I, I'll just say I'm more confident in my Western picks than my Eastern ones. I'll just say that. <laughs> fair, fair. And of course, those Saginaw Spirit will be hosting the 2024 Memorial Cup as it comes back to the Ontario Hockey League. Yes, I know Saginaw's in Michigan. That's in the United States, not in Ontario. Uh, send us an email anytime, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Give us a like, a review, subscribe, please, and tell a friend. We're here for the whole season and we're having a blast. That guy over there is Dan Mahar. My name is Mike Farwell. Your next episode of the OHL podcast comes out after the first weekend of regular season action. We'll be back next Tuesday. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.